What is up, boys and girls? Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. We are looter and rider free in big, big city of Knox City, Texas. What would you do if one walked through that door over there? Depends if he had a gun or not. <laughs> if he had a gun, it'd be yes or no, sir, since I don't have mine on me right now. You don't have one in your bag? Mm-mm. It's in my truck. Well, and he he's between me and my truck. I would dude, probably sacrifice you. Well, that's I'd sacrifice Ollie before I, I sacrifice myself. I think if the guy jumped on me, Ollie would eat his ass up, though. I really do. I would hope so. I would, too, but I don't know what I would do. Now, if I came out here or somebody was trying to burn or loot the shit and I had a gun, I would fucking shoot their ass. Same as everybody else in America would, just about. Shoot at them, at least. No, I would try to shoot. If I'm going to shoot at somebody, I'm going to try to shoot them. Otherwise, well, I wouldn't I'm do that. I'm not saying that you're not going to try to. Andy, Hitting I, them and shooting at them are two different well, things. Well, with the pistol, I'm not a very good shot. Yeah. If you're the third motherfucker from the guy I'm shooting at, you better duck because I'm ba- that bad. Good chance it's going to be one of you. All right, let's talk about dive bomb a minute. Let's talk about them. The best silhouette on the market, most affordable price. Now they're not just in the in the skinny business. They are in the floater business. They're going to have mallard floaters out at the end of the summer, right in time for waterfowl season. They look pretty good. The widgeon silhouettes look damn good. They got widgeon silhouettes coming out also. So if you're like us hunting those uh, widgeon in the winter wheat field, I would highly recommend uh, you jump on those whenever they launch. Yep. Get Should em. be here pretty quick. Shoot them over the salad shooters. Divebombindustries.com is their website. If you are looking for converting your spread from full bodies, because let's face it, in 2020, you don't need full bodies anymore. They take up too much room. They're clunky. They're a pain in the ass to set out. Skinnies are the way to go. Pack them in the bags. Five dozen per bag. Nice and neat on your trailer. Organized all season long. And you want numbers on your side. Numbers are key. So go to divebombindustries.com. Get everything that you're going to need because we've turned the calendar into June now. Which means we're right in the middle of everything. When we get to July, we've turned a corner. So get everything that you're going to need. Divebombindustries.com. We are also brought to you by the one and only Boss Shot Shells. They're the best shot shells that you can get on the market. Bismuth is back in style. They hit very, very hard. It's very, very violent whenever you hit a bird with bismuth. You only need one. You only need one. Give them your full load, full choke, center center mass. Just crumble them. Guys like me that are good shots over under, two shells, two dead birds. Andy shoots three shells, a lot of times no dead birds. But it ain't because of his ammo. It's because he doesn't hit them. If you can hit them like I can, you, one is all it takes. Boss ammo. I hit them just fine. Our boss shot shells. Bossshotshells.com. Sell them by the case. Ship straight to your door. No middleman. All made in America. Proudly. Proudly made in America, I should say. Bossshotshells.com. And how about them J2 ice rippers? The J2 ice ripper. Listen, if you're in a place where ice, where your favorite honey hole gets iced over, you need a J2 ice ripper. Make you an ice hole. Best bait in the world is water. Open water. Open water. If it's cold up north and you're hunting and you and every year you get froze out and you lose the last month of season, great investment. They're on sale right now, a little over $500 to the door, American-made, Missouri-made J2 ice rippers. It really is. It's a cheap investment. There's no season in letting Mother Nature just wreck your season. Go to J2OutdoorsLLC.com. Get one of these bad boy ice rippers shipped straight to your door. Whenever it ice is over, you throw that bad boy out, be the only game in town with an open ice hole. And if you're field hunting this year, you got to have some lucky ducks. That's the key to the duck hunting in the field. These guys all the time are talking about duck hunting, duck hunting. Man, we're going to hunt in the field, going to hunt in the field. Throw some spinners up. 
You put you put six to ten spinners in a spread, and those ducks are like candy coming to you. That's all you need is some spinners, they're, and that's Lucky Duck. Easy. And if you want the most spacious blind on the market, you go to LuckyDuck.com, get the Lucky Duck 2x4. It is the way to go. It is the cat's meow. And they got an awesome duck box, so check it out at Lucky Duck. And they're now five-star crash test rated with their brand-new door on these dog boxes. So you don't have to worry about throwing Fido in the back of the truck. He's going to be safe and sound. Five-star crash test rating at LuckyDuck.com. You can pretty much go there for whatever you're looking for. Spinners, blinds, dog boxes. In my head, I'm thinking about them crash testing this dog dummy. (laughs) <laughs> like they did the people. I mean, I'm like, what the hell? Do you think there's sensors in that? I, I assume there must be to do that. I just, I, when you said that, I started thinking about thinking, what the fuck do they do here? Because you don't they, think may, about may, dogs. Maybe they just put a baby in, like a baby dummy in there. You, you just don't think about dogs being in an accident until when you said that. I mean, all the time people flip their trailers. Yeah, fucking when them some bitches so. be launched off. Whew. And like I've said before, you can say something about someone's wife, but you can't say nothing about their dog. No, so protect your investment there. Go get a Lucky Duck uh, dog kennel. And let's talk about our brother, Logan Pyatt. The Looking Glass Duck Club. He's also got a podcast now, Looking Glass Duck Club Podcast. They do a bourbon review on they it every a week. bourbon review on it. Jeff's a big fan of the bourbon review. I'm not a brown water guy. We've noticed. Everybody that listens to podcast realizes that you have Whiskey mil- sours are good, though. You have milky way with your... I wasn't a big fan of your whiskey sires, but that's just me. You didn't like it? Yeah, it's all right. It wasn't great. Well. But you make a damn good tomahawk, so I'll give you that. The guys over at the Looking Glass Duck Club, they're a lot of fun to listen to, so be sure to check them out wherever you listen to this podcast. You can definitely find the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Just type it in. It's right there. They're a lot of fun to listen to. They've also got uh, merch on sale, hoodies, pullovers, coolers, all with the Looking Glass Duck Club Iconic symbol. Old boy. Shotgun with a rifle scope on it. Shooting at ducks out of the sky. Hence the name Looking Glass Duck Club. Good guys over there. Real, real fun to be a part of this podcast with. Uh, we're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. The guys over there make a make an outstanding goose call. Uh, lesser call. The best spec call, in my opinion, that's on the market right now. Guys in the closed group uh, just a couple days ago were wondering what spec call to get. I said, you just go to the guys at Pacific. Tell them we sent you. There's a promo code, BHP25. You go to PacificCustomCalls.com. You use the promo code BHP25. Save yourself 25% off at checkout. It's a great deal. It is a great deal. And if you're in the market for a speckle belly call, it's the easiest pulling spec call I've ever gotten my hands on. They got two or three different Canada Goose calls, one lesser call. They got it going on over there. They got it going on. And like I said, you can save some money. BHP25, PacificCustomCalls.com. Last but not least, no, 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 not last but not least, we're also brought to you by William and Chris Wines. Texas-made wine made in high Texas. Gets you a red next time you throw some steaks on the barbecue. Uh, The Skeleton Key is by far my favorite. You can go to WilliamandChrisWines.com and they'll ship it to you, or you can find it at Central Food. No, Central Market, Whole Foods. Foods. Yes, you did our time. All the high-end grocery stores. All the high-end grocery stores. If they ask if you'd rather have paper or plastic at checkout, good chance you're going to find William and Chris Wines there. Or, like I said, WilliamandChrisWines.com. Get it shipped straight to your door. Last but not least, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Home of the Big Honker Podcast and the Big Honker Lodge. Dove season is up next. We are a mere 90 days away, 90 days and some change. It'll be on us like a bad fart before too much longer. 
hunting season's here, dove season's here. We do have an opening second weekend. Second weekend in September, I've got an opening, and I've got an opening in the fourth weekend of September. Second, lost, second weekend, if I'm not mistaken, will till oh, season be open? Till then? season's open then too. So if you want to shoot, I can do teal dove combo the second weekend in September. So if you want to come to Texas and shoot some teal and some dove, holler at me at 940-658-3172 or stanfieldhunting.com. Appreciate you listening. Join the close. If you're listening to the podcast religiously, join the close page. I've got to answer two questions. Do you listen to it? Yes. What's your favorite episode? 300, whatever. And then you're in the membership. A lot of fun stuff in there. A lot of inf- interesting information. Don't have thin skin, though. Nope. If you got thin skin, it's not a place to join. We appreciate or, everybody listening. Yep. Not a place for liberals. Anyways, thank y'all for listening. God bless y'all, and um, hope everything's great. All right. On this episode of the podcast, we have public land hunter Cody LaRock. Cody hails from the great state of South Carolina. We go over how he uh, how he does it. He goes from fields to coastal marsh to beaver ponds, all over the waters there in South Carolina. Got puddlers, divers, sea ducks if you go out far enough, so... Uh, Fun podcast. Fun podcast. We like talking to guys from around the around the country. Cody's no different. So anyway, here we go. Cody LaRock. Let's go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Boom. And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I am Andy Shaver. And on the phone with us today from Lexington, South Carolina, Mr. Cody LaRock. Cody, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are y'all? Doing good. You know, Andy, I just thought you're in Lexington. That's where we stayed at. We stayed in Lexington. Mm, I don't know. We ate at a little place downtown, a real fancy place. I can't remember. There's damn good food there, though. Is it the Main Street or yeah. something like that? I, I don't. Think oh yeah, yep. Main Street, Lexington, right up beside uh, Lake Murray. Yes, that's because the house we stayed on was on Lake Murray. What is the? Um, okay. What's the the restaurant there? It used to be in a funeral home, I think, is where what it is. Not a funeral home. It was an older uh, older white private house. property. Yes, very good. Yeah, with the Cajun food. <clears throat> and I yeah, I had was. shrimp and yeah, well, I guess it was <clears throat> really nice place. Oh, yeah, they've got some other stuff. That one, there's their main chef is pretty Cajun. That's a really neat. That's a pretty little town too. But you know, Columbia seems like it has a little bit of shitholes in it because I watch Live PD a lot. <laughs> yes, sir. Richland County, Live PD. They canceled that. I thought they just were going to postpone uh-huh. it a week, a couple of weeks. Pulled it from A and E forever. And cops. That's fucking stupid. That's a shame. Yeah, what I mean, why? Because it shows the real life and what's really happens with cops and people. That is. Well, the, uh, the funny part is Richland County. The the officers it highlights are almost all officers of color. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Danny Brown and the big black boy. Black guy's a big some bitch. That black guy. Gosh, who's the other guy? The one with the goatee. The goatee. Uh, you got the big. There's the big. Name. The big muscled up dude, and then there's one more that seemed really cool. 
I don't know, but the big, the big muscled up guy, I would say yes sir, no sir to him, <laughs> real fast. Yeah, that's. I don't know why the media is trying to hide everything in the world. What's the reality? And live PD is the reality of what police officers go through. I mean, you know, they deal with liars all the time. They deal with dickheads all the time. But they want to act like cops are bad. And this whole defunding the police is the stupidest bullshit ever. But well, I think the best part about live PD is it shows that what they have to go through because you're following two or three guys every night. You know, most people think a cop's just going to sit there and pick on you for a traffic violation. But you can see how fast it, you know, escalates into meth or gun charges or whatever. So, I mean, there is a method to what they're doing. It d- doesn't show go uh, fit in the narrative of what the media wants us to think right now. I thought they had just yeah. postponed it a couple of weeks. I didn't know know that they had can't. That's it, maybe I don't know. It <coughs> just said the 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 article <coughs> I read was that um, live PD and cops pulled from. A and E, and well, I don't know what cops is on now. Maybe Paramount. Yes, it's on Paramount. Whatever it is, it just said pulled. Have Whatever you, that entails. Have you been to the Obama convenience store ever? Uh, I've seen it. Yeah, on the rough side of Columbia, that's an interesting part of town. I, that's a nice way to put. Interesting. That's a nice. I'm, I'm assuming that would be code <laughs> word for the ghetto. Is what you'd call that? Yeah, I, I uh, actually delivered produce last year for a local company and that was one of our places was right across the street at the like a grocery store and uh it was a pretty uncomfortable situation really just you felt felt uh they were sizing up the sizing up the merchandise or what uh the grocery store that we went to for some reason is like the only one that deals in straight cash like all the other ones of course just do like online yeah Yeah, so we had to walk around with a couple grand of cash and it was just not a good situation Hmm. I'm assuming they paid you in cash because they had not, they had defaulted on some of their other payments, probably. If I'm guessing, <laughs> I, w- I would not be surprised. So, uh, where's that hotel at that's there all the time that you see them at? Because they're every week they're at the same hotel too. Is that cl- down in that same area? Uh, no. The one that I think you're talking about, where they kind of bust all the prostitution and stuff, yes, is is a little bit of it's a little bit on the outskirts of Columbia. Richland County is a pretty big area. Um, and that side is more like the north side of Columbia. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 all pretty rough. And that is a motel, Jeff. Sorry, okay, yes, if yes, the doors right. are on the outside, that is a that is a motel. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a as a as a truck driver, I saw the video, and I can't remember where it came out of. Where the there were protesters in the street, stopped all traffic. One truck driver says, "Fuck this." He like he halfway commits. He gasses it, runs yep. over a bunch of protesters. They climb on board and then he just fucking stops. No, I fucking keep driving. I, th- I yeah. think I think if you're I think if you've if you've committed deep enough to where you're gonna run over people, you just gotta fucking keep going. You can't stop and let them drag you out and beat the shit out of you like they did this guy. Yeah, if you're talking about the one from Minneapolis, the story that I think I it was, was yeah. He, yeah, he got in front of the police, you know, they do like the rolling block on the interstate. And I've been in front of one actually in downtown Gainesville, which was really funny. It's just a confusing situation because all of a sudden you're the only one on the interstate. And if you watch the whole video from the other angle that doesn't show him getting pulled out, it's like from behind, he actually, you know, you can't stop an 18-wheeler with a tanker in a short distance. Right. So he slowed down as much as he could, and I'm assuming he thought that, you know, he was trying his best and everybody would have given him a, you know, a reason, of the, reason of the doubt. But, you know, obviously they don't care about that. So, yeah. I mean, I, I do hot shot trucking right now, and I've got one employee, and I told him, 
you know, do your best to, to dodge any sort of situation. You know, you just don't ever want to even try to put yourself in that if you can help it. But, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I told him it's not going to hold up in a court of law, but, you know, if you're feared for your life, then you can keep on trucking. Yeah, you are to fear. I would fear for my life. Fuck yes. You don't know if they're going to pull you out that and start guy, beating your ass. Or that guy in L.A. in 92, yeah. they <clears throat> fucking beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Lost an eye. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, that's what I, I, I mean, uh, under the, under the, I mean, in South Carolina, you have the right to defend yourself if you are feeling for your own safety, anyone else's in your, like, immediate vicinity, or if you're witnessing a felony. So, I mean, that, and that pretty much is. I mean, that's what our CWP law says. I mean, I'd assume it's the same with a truck. You, you t- you, let's just go back three months ago. And if some dumbass gets on the fucking interstate and gets ran over, dumbass was on the fucking yep. interstate. Nobody thought nothing of it. But now, all of a sudden, it's like we're giving them permission to go on the high interstates and highways and block shit down. I'm going to tell you right now, <clears throat> the cities of Minneapolis, New York, all these places talking about defunding, I wouldn't spend a dime. I would never go visit them again. And if we were traveling right now, I would be n- nervous about traveling to some big cities. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't want Michelle to go to Dallas to go shopping by herself right now. No. I don't want to go to Dallas. I don't want to go shopping anyways, but I'm not going to go to a big city. So the big cities are going to have a big revenue loss on this because people are going to quit going to them. Well, I, I just think, I mean, my favorite part about all of these videos coming out is, you know, you see the, the protesters trying to mess with people and all of a sudden people start fighting back. And what's the first thing the protester says is call the cops. Get the cops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now it's going to be get the social worker. What oh yeah, that's yeah, that'll, that'll work out for about a minute, and then it'll be over with. Because <laughs> nobody ever bitches about social services having their shit in order. No, you never hear that. Yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah, no uh, shit. I'm gonna call CPS with on you. Is bound to be a, yeah. <laughs> what scares the shit out of me? So Cody, uh, the the little bit that uh, that we talked, you have some experience with uh, farm raised ducks. Yeah. Um, and before, I mean, before we get too far into it, I'm not a biologist. I'm just a guy that, you know, I've duck hunted this past year with my 11th season. So I'm not, I mean, I'm 27 years old and I started when I was 16, 15 or 16. Um, so I, I've got that amount of experience, but, um, in South Carolina, which is, I guess, one of the only states that does it like we do, they have... I don't know if you want to call them farm-raised or pen-raised or whatever you want to call it, but we have a released mallard program here in the state, and we kind of have our own state version of Ducks Unlimited or Delta Waterfowl. It's called the uh, South Carolina Waterfowl Association, and they're kind of ahead of the whole program. I am, for to go on record, I think it would be awesome to shoot farm-raised mallards. Are they all banded? Um, so the program itself has kind of evolved over the years. Well, I'll I'll put it like this. There's, there's two different kinds of things we're talking about. Um, one that I think most people have a problem with, and they do, they do this in other states, but you know, you have the guy that has a duck hunting guide service or something like that. And, you know, he literally grows mallards like you do a pheasant you know like in a pen mm-hmm. and they train them to fly to a pond and that happens and they you know they hunt over pretty much a baited pond and shoot them i know there's places in georgia that do that as well um 
but this is like a kind of like a giant aviary. I mean, they raise like thirty thousand mallards or something like that a year, um, and they they I think they banned a few of them. And up until last year, I believe they were they would cut a toenail off to signify that it was like a released first year mallard kind of deal. See, I guess uh, I guess the the way. We have to ban all of our pheasants here because they're pen-raised birds. Um, so I'm yeah. guessing that if you did it that way, then you would be shooting all banded mallards. So, so this yeah. the way that you're doing it. They just they they raise all these birds and then they release them all just at one time. Uh, yes. So pretty much, it's. Uh, I mean, it, <clears throat> it gets kind of controversial because the place that they do it at is not far outside of Columbia. It's probably about. Uh, about 45 minutes down the highway. Um, it's a pretty podunk area, uh, and they kind of just have it as an open. Once the birds get old enough, and, uh, and they raise them, obviously, through springtime into summer, into the fall, um, and by the time the birds really get old enough to start flying and kind of get like a natural migration tendency, they're really just in an open pen. Um, I mean, there's, there's a fence to protect them from uh, ground predators, but I mean, there's nothing stopping them from flying away other than, you know, ducks like being with other ducks. Um, and so the, the Waterfowl Association has a big piece of property that has uh, cornfields and milo and all kinds of stuff growing on it. And recently, where it becomes even more kind of a controversial subject is in the last couple of decades, other private companies and private entities have built impoundments around the area. And so it really, really starts getting into a gray area of what's going on. Well, now, okay, I want to back up on this just to make sure I understand completely. They're raising these yep. these mallards, and, and y'all have an area, like a refuge set up for them, correct? Yes, sir. Now, these ducks are flying, so they're, they're flying all over. The, the. It's not like you're releasing the birds, and they're going to one pond, and you're shooting out of a pond. They're just a bird that is in the whole area, right? I mean, they're, Yeah, they're, it's, a, it's a massive place. So they have the they have the freedom to go wherever they want to go after that though. Yeah, technically they do. So basically, you're not really they're farm raised where they're they're man raised. I'll give you that, but they have the freedom to fly to Canada if they want to or wherever they want to go. So all you're doing is restocking, basically developing a local mallard population is what you're doing. Is that right? Yeah. So the the controversy is that they are not as intelligent as a wild duck is. Oh. They don't uh, have that uh yeah. they don't have that uh will to survive or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. Um they are I mean, especially Holly. early in the season. Sorry, fucking dog. Early barking. parts of the season they are like That's you know, a magnet to pretty much any decoy in the water. Right. Um I actually got a uh, image from a buddy two years ago. A buddy of mine hunts in Virginia, and a guy that he's friends with killed a banded mallard, and it was banded in South Carolina at the Waterfowl Association, <laughs> and they were hunting uh, the opening week in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. So, in the opening week, the duck had migrated like 800 miles north. Wow. And it somehow ended up with like a, a, I think it was a flock of geese that they killed. Or something, or maybe a flock of mallards. And it was banded it in was South just, Carolina. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, by the time it kind of, you know, got its adult wings and, and decided to pick a place to fly, it flew straight north. 
That's which was, crazy. you know, just kind of one of those things where everybody's like, yeah, that shows you how intelligent of a creature this thing is. Yeah. Some things are just born in them. So, <clears throat> but what I'm getting at is... I don't really see the controversy other than people making the uh, impoundments around that place. But have you? But seen, it's private. Those impoundments are private. I'm assuming. Yeah. So the waterfowl. I'm not sure about how the numbers are spread out, but the association, I think, uh, gives some birds to other places around the state. But the biggest majority is in that one area, and it's just off uh, the lake is Lake Marion like the Santee Swamp area, Santee National Forest. Um, and so the controversy is that they also draw a lot of wild ducks. And so the people that don't have access to the property, I mean, and these properties are super expensive. I mean, they're like a couple thousand dollars a seat for the year if you want to hunt one of their blinds. Um, and so the controversy becomes that, you know, they're, they're pretty much claiming they're using wild birds or using birds as decoys is, is pretty much the controversy side of it. Hmm. But, but you know, the, 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 what you're saying about the, they're not, they're not real smart and stuff. A lot of the birds are shot in Canada right out of the egg. They're not real smart either. I mean, the early yeah. season. Now everybody can't, that hunts Canada <clears throat> is going to be pissing on, get pissing and moaning over they this. Shouldn't. But it's true. I mean, you're shooting ducks that are two, three months old a lot of times, mm-hmm. and that's what they're killing there. So it's the st- same young bird. So I, when you say you're shooting farm-raised ducks, a lot of people think what you're doing is you're like one of those duck clubs, and they have them back east a lot of times. And, hey, if that's well, your said cup, in Georgia. Or, or wherever they at, that's their cup of tea. But people are thinking that you're setting – they're going off in a truck, you know, a half a mile away and throwing these ducks up, and they're going right to that same pond, and people shoot them. And that's what, when you say farm-raised duck, that's what I thought you were talking about first, too. Yeah. I thought, man, I ain't never had anybody get yeah. on here touting about shooting those things. But you're shooting a wild, <laughs> you're shooting a wild bird. It just happens to be a homegrown. Not a wild bird. But well, but it's wild. A free-range free bird, bird. That was raised in yeah. a pen. It's no different than shooting a fucking deer on a high-fence place. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's the same same premise. that bird, The bird can get away. And <clears throat> I think it's... I, 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 if we had... I would love... The state of Oklahoma years ago started a uh, greater goose deal. Um, Dad, when was that, in the 80s? Yeah. About 1980, they started this in um, around Duncan, Oklahoma. And a, a doctor that my dad was friends with, Doc Ellis, old dog trainer guy, they started this, and they had one county or two, and they built this resident flock of Canada geese. And every pond had a pin on it where they could do it. Well, it was the same thing, but they established. Now there's graders everywhere there. So, hey, my hat's off to them. Might take. Yeah, I, I I don't have an issue with it. Now the pure the pure guy is going to be oh that's not a Canada mallard. Who who knows where the mallards are coming from anyways? Everywhere you go in the United States, you see low. We have mallards here right now. They just they stay here. Yep. So I, um, I I think it's pretty interesting. But I had never I've never heard this before. I know that y'all do a lot of um y'all y'all do a lot of flood and corn in South Carolina, and I didn't know that until all that controversial. Controversy come out last summer, the summer before, about the hot water. And that's pretty big in South Carolina, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and that's kind of the same um, the same general thing as, you know, a lot of these flooded corn impoundments that we have in South Carolina. I mean, you could, you could probably say, you know, 75 to 80% of them are within a stone's throw of this one area. So it's like a super... 
um, outside of pretty much the plantations down the coast, it's a super condensed area where everything's going on, which is, I mean, that's why people really get mad about it. And I, uh, I sometimes I get bored and I'll read, you know, like a, uh, like a scientific journal essay or something like that and just kind of see what, you know, people a lot smarter than me are saying about it. And I, I was looking at a research paper this guy had done about, um, black duck populations on the East Coast. And it kind of started out that way, and somehow, somewhere or another, I guess he couldn't really find that much information about the black ducks, but they started doing DNA samples on Atlantic mallards, and I think something crazy, like 90% of them had the same, like, DNA structure that the farm-raised mallards had, because there's something in their genetics that is different. And I mean, like I said, I'm not a biologist, so I can't tell you what exactly it is, but there is, like, a signature in their DNA that... Almost every single mallard that they tested had. So what you're saying is, is is these mallards have gone elsewhere and then populated. They've they've started breeding with wild ducks, and now a lot of these wild ducks on the east coast have farm raised duck genetics. Yeah, but I mean, and like Jeff was saying, I mean, you could say it's not pure duck, but the the reality is that the local uh, bird counts around this area, I think in the 70s, were averaging like 100,000 mallards in these refuges before, you know, before the farm race stuff started happening. And I think by the 90s, the number had dropped all the way down to like averaging less than 5,000. Wow. So, 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 I mean, you saw a 95% drop in duck numbers in like two decades. Look, and, I... I mean... That's crazy to me. Yeah, and and you know it sounds like I did not know that about South Carolina having that um, kind of duck numbers, but I mean shit, they're trying to do things to to increase their. Listen, at the end of the day, everybody wants to go out there and pull the trigger, and at the end of the day, that's why um, I think that we're not seeing the number of hunters that we used to see. There's not as many places that you can go out and have success. South Carolina has got a program in place to where they're trying to restock the numbers and try to get more people interested. At the end of the day, I think that's what it is. So I commend South Carolina. I think I think it's a, it's an interesting program. I think it's great. I think more states I mean, should do it. You're taking care of your own. And like you said, it's no different than going to these uh, high fence places and shooting a high fence deer. Yeah, and, and don't worry about sounding like an – an expert, Cody, because we have a ton of experts going to chip in on everything we do anyway. So we want. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, I mean it, it's hell. The podcast page, the private podcast page. It don't matter who we have on there. Somebody knows more. I had a guy complain hey, to me about Maryland isn't in the south. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I had a guy come in here one time and tell me that he thought Wyman could do a little bit of work on some of his photos. I'm thinking, what the fuck? Seriously? So. <laughs> No, you um, didn't. Yeah, I, I mean, did too. The biggest, Fuck. the biggest problem in South Carolina is that we have lost all of our habitat. Um, I mean, I'm not sure when it happened, but you know, we were a huge rice producing state, and now we, I mean, we don't produce hardly any rice at all. There's actually a couple guys on our like local hunting page that you know pretty much go in and and plant these old plantations with rice just for, I mean, pretty much out of their own pocket, just to give the ducks something. 
Um, and we've had a super bad problem. I mean, this is another, you know, obviously controversial topic in the state with our local DNR agencies going in and trying to make every body of water that we have in the state, you know, more boater friendly and more skiing friendly and all this kind of stuff. So they go in and they take all the grass out and they right. take all the vegetation out. I mean, that, I mean, in my lifetime, I've, the Lake Murray, the one in Lexington, used to be one of the best bass fishing lakes in, in the, like, country. It used to hold the Bassmaster Classic and the big uh, collegiate uh, national championship for fishing, and now it's terrible because they have literally killed all of the grass and vegetation in the lake. Mm. And, they're, and they're just and trying so to it, appeal to the boaters. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, and it's, it's a huge income-driven, so, I mean, I understand why they're doing it. But you can't, I mean, you're kind of hurting yourself in one one hand to make the other one better. So it, it's just a, it's a really weird situation. I think everybody's trying to do the best, but, you know, it's a lot of different people arguing about a lot of different stuff. I don't, I don't know what the, you know, you, you, you would hope that, uh, you know, they wouldn't impose these uh, strategies on the, on the entire lake and maybe leave some, something for the fishers and the hunters, but. More often than well, not, the, they don't. You know, and the craziest part is the way they're doing it mainly is they're putting in grass carp. So, I mean, they're not native species to the area. And they, you know, whenever the, I guess the eggs are fertilized, you can cook them high enough. That makes them non-reproducing. And so, you know, they'll go in there and they'll throw a couple million grass carp in a lake and it just destroys all the natural vegetation. I don't even get why someone would do that. <clears throat> I just, I don't get it. What was that? I don't understand the biologists who try to, I, I just, I don't understand that shit. I mean, everywhere you've it's seen that, I, I guess, everywhere, are they called an Asian carp? Is that the actual name of them? <clears throat> uh, uh, I, that's, that's the only name I've heard is grass carp. Grass carp, okay. But it's the Asian carp, right? Same thing? Uh... They're not the ones that jump. If that's what that's what that's what I was getting at. They're not what the no, ones that jump. Like, yeah, these are just big, fat-looking goldfish things. They get huge too. They get up like thirty or forty pounds. And nobody eats them either. Do like they? what you see in a koi pond? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly like that. I'm gonna tell you what the problem is. Americans are spoiled. You go over to China, them some bitches are getting eaten. They <laughs> eat anything. <laughs> You know, so we need more Chinese people is what we need then. Who get rid of them? But those ones that jump oh, up, those ones that jump up when them boats go go by, that's some amazing shit. I don't guess I've seen. You've that. never seen the videos? They have a boat and they're going down like a river or lake, and these fucking fish jump by the hundreds out of the water. And I'm talking ten, fifteen pound fish. Wow. And people get nets oh, yeah. and they try to catch them in the air, but they eat they eat every fucking thing there is. Oh. And they can they can like seriously hurt you if you don't know it's coming. I mean, I've oh, heard people yeah. get knocked out and almost drowning and stuff like that yeah you get a fucking 10 or 15 pound fish fish to the chest i wouldn't be wanting to be water skiing yeah. on that shit fuck no <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've seen them with nets and uh football helmets trying to catch them with the water skin. yeah those are great videos rednecks are the greatest people in the world god i give so much entertainment <laughs> for everybody now you also hunt the col- the coastal marshes oh yeah um south carolina duck hunting i mean like i said i mean we lost 95% of our ducks, I mean, before I even started hunting. But, I mean, we we have pretty uh, diverse hunting. I mean, you can go all the way in the upstate and kill geese and stuff flying down the, 
eastern side of the Appalachian Mountains and the big uh, mountain lakes and rivers. Um, around Columbia is a lot of kind of beaver ponds, swamp area. Um, and then once you get east to 95, it's a lot of coastal marshes, so you can kill um, divers and all different kind of puddle ducks, and then you can get actually out into the big water and shoot sea ducks. So you really, I mean, South Carolina, I would not think of that as this big waterfowl state, but you got divers, puddlers, and geese all in the same state. Uh, the geese were pretty short on, um, which is hilarious because our early season, we can kill like 15 a person, mm-hmm. and then when regular season starts, we're on two. And and they're all in the northern part of the state? Uh, they're kind of spread out. Uh, they're, they're just kind of a... I think it's the tail end of their migration that comes down through like the Shenandoah Valley and stuff like that, um, through Virginia and North Carolina. But they're, they're pretty spread out. I mean, we get all of the same like golf course geese everybody else gets and stuff like that. Now, um, no, is, is there a, yeah, we, is there a swan season in South Carolina? North Carolina. No, the North swans Carolina. stop right in North Carolina. Yes, sir. Do you see swans there though? We have a couple. I mean, <laughs> literally, you can count them on your hands. So it's about like Texas is um, then. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a pretty terrible incident in the same Santee area. Uh, about we had two hunters talking about they thought a swan was a goose, but the problem was the place that we're hunting is not even legal to hunt geese either. Ooh. So that was uh, that's an issue. Yeah, and uh, I think. You know, the people hunting in the general area of those two guys pretty much called the game warden, and he was waiting for them at the boat ramp before they even, you know, got done picking up decoys. So so why why, why were they not allowed to hunt geese where they were? I really don't know. It's just like the, the northeastern half of the lake is a refuge, or it has a refuge on it, but it's got like some weird imaginary line through the middle of it where you can't hunt geese on one side. I really don't know the... The legislation behind that. Could it? But, have I mean, we've been? actually go ahead. Well, we've actually cited a spot last year um, by a, a state run. Actually, it might be it's either state or nationally run kind of impoundment area where we actually heard snow geese. And that's uh, not that's not common in South Carolina. Oh no, not at all. Not no, at all. usually most snow geese are stopping in Virginia. So. The it's it's greater Canada geese, I'm assuming. Yes, sir. And you can shoot 15 in the early season. Do y'all have much success yep. in that though, or do you got to be in the right uh, spot? Most of it is is just hunting a local resident, like uh, you know, some that have been feed on a field or a lake or something like that. The only time I've ever had success is uh, on a private like cornfield or something. Yeah. Um. The, the the coastal marshes I, I how do you do what do you do there do you how do you get in how do you access them uh, we use a boat for pretty much everything there's a couple different kayak spots you can do but man uh, I mean I know other places have way worse but we have six foot tide changes and so it's it's a pretty pretty big fiasco getting in and out of there um, around here we have we call it plus mud People call it all different kind of stuff, but it's just super nasty, soupy mud, um, and it'll pretty much ruin anything you put in the mud. So if you're in, 
I've I've got a pair of waders that I pretty much just wear down there. And most of the time, we don't actually even get out the boat. We set up a couple anchors. Um, we run, I run rafts of decoys if I'm going to hunt on the coast. So we just have a couple homemade rafts that we just throw like a big boat anchor on the front of just so we don't have to try and get a bunch of singles out of the uh, the currents and stuff like that. But it, it's tough. It's a, it's a lot of open area, and there's probably the most of the majority of the wild ducks now you know, situated up and down the coast, but it's a huge place to try and find them. So you got to do your scouting there. If you're going to hunt the coast, you got to, you got to dial it in on your scouting. Yeah. There's a, uh, the state runs a lot of impoundment area. So most people just kind of stick to the, to the borders of that. Um, I mean, it's literally like you're, you're anchoring up on the other side of a, a dike or a levee from the impoundments. And that's how most people hunt around there. Um, and if you're, if you're not doing that, then you've got to find a spot where they'll feed in between the tide changes. Cause like a, when the water comes in or out, it kind of moves the birds around, just gets them feeding in new spots. And so you have to know, you know, where they're feeding in that general area for that time. Y'all have <clears throat> around Savannah area and south of there, when we were going into Georgia on that road, it seemed like there's a lot, y'all got tons and tons and tons of water everywhere. I mean, so it's oh, yeah. you're competing against so much water. That's got to be harder to hunt that way too. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I'm actually on on 95 right now, just outside of Savannah. Um, but I mean, this is historically, if you guys want to look it up after, um, this just north of Savannah, it's called the Ace Basin, A C E, um, and I mean, it's it's one of the oldest and richest you know waterfowling traditions probably in the country. Um, it used to have a bunch of canvas bags, um, and even a little bit further up the coast in Georgetown was well, I think it, I think the Georgetown flock was at one point in time, the biggest wintering ground for canvas bags. Um, and so there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of duck hunting traditions and stuff like that, but I mean, it's now that the numbers are thinned out and, you know, they can, they can go sit on these private impoundments. And they do a really good job only hunting them, you know, one or two days a week, if that. And the state ones are usually only one day a week. Um, so they, they have a lot of places that they can hide out and eat and, and not have pressure. Is that the area they call the Gola area, or where the Gola stuff is? Yeah, the, the Gola is the, uh, the kind of runaway slaves kind of created their own area down there, um, usually outside of Charleston or Savannah and stuff like that. Okay. Boy, there's a ton of it there. That's some pretty area through there. Oh, it's my, it's my favorite place. I mean, Charleston's kind of blown up now where there's just, you know, there's more people than there is land because it's a, you know, it's a city from the 16 or 1700s and they, you know, they, they put Charleston on a peninsula and uh, all the roads are wide enough for a car carriage and they've probably got, you know, half a million people living on a little peninsula so it's, it's pretty pretty much a cluster but i mean that's my favorite place to go where did we eat at in we, charleston um it was like some uh they graffiti and shit all over the walls do what yeah. i don't remember that did you go inside to piss yeah i did but i don't remember the graffiti it's a um it's a new hip place it's like it's a it's dive a, bar type deal and you know where Fake uh, dive bar the the aircraft carrier's at when you, yeah, on Patriot when, Point. Yeah, that's we were over there somewhere is where we ate at. That's Mount Pleasant. Yes, somewhere in some yuppie place that they had like, about four or five restaurants in a row. They had it, deer fat or duck fat 
God damn it. Duck fat fries. Duck fat fries. Yeah. It was a... Uh, uh, yeah, if you guys are ever back in that situation, there's a little... It's called Shim Creek. I'm, that might be... In, that's that's where... We, you can just, that's not where we ate. I think that's the area. It was called Shim Creek. Oh. I've got a picture. Hold on. And it'll... It, it geotagged it. I don't know if it'll be the... It's like something dog. Funky dog or fuzzy dog. Yeah, Salty Dog Cafe. Salty like Dog that. Cafe. That is exactly where we were at. Y'all sure love y'all's pimento cheese out there, don't y'all? Oh, yeah. I actually ate so much pimento cheese as a kid. I can't stand it now. <laughs> and bacon jam. Is that what they had it with it? I think. It seems like that was it, too. So. <laughs> my, my grandmother used to feed me pimento cheese sandwiches like every day. So I, I can't even stand it anymore. That that seems to be y'all's uh like we have tortillas and Mexican food here y'all have pimento cheese, I'm taking our Mexican food yeah, to Texas. We've got pimento cheese and yellow barbecue sauce. Yellow barbecue sauce? I don't think we had any barbecue. Like a uh, mustard base. Never had it. One thing I wanted to do while we was there we didn't do is I've always wanted to eat a whole hog. I've never had anywhere that they they barbecued a whole hog or whatever you want to call it, smoked it or whatever they. And that's oh, a yeah. that's a Carolina thing, isn't it? Uh, they do it a lot in Alabama too. Um, I went to school in Alabama, so I mean I've seen what they do. I think it's kind of just a southeast deal. Yeah, I've never had a whole hog barbecue. And then so, what do you do? You just take what you want off of it. Yeah, they said the cheeks are the oh, best yeah. part. Fuck that. That is. They said the best part. Lungs that start ripping. Why, why would you not eat cheeks? I'm just not gonna <laughs> not gonna eat any part of the face. Oh, shit. The snout, the eyes, the tongue. The liberal Andy's coming out again now. I'll have the back strap. (laughs) Andy, you've never eaten catfish cheek? Fuck no. Catfish cheek? I've never had catfish cheeks, but I've had them on, uh, at the coast, I've had them um, redfish cheeks. Catfish catfish cheeks. Part of the catfish. I've I've never heard of anybody eating the cheeks on catfish before. I've never even heard that a fucking fish had cheeks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like I think a flathead, they have kind of big, you know, just like a a ball of muscle on the top, pretty much in the same spot of their eyes. Let me tell and, you, uh, people coming up with this shit are some hungry motherfuckers. The first person that ate an oyster like or a clam, <laughs> I mean, like, oh yeah, let's let's we've eaten everything off of this thing that we can possibly salvage. Let's look in the fucking head and see if there's a ball of meat that we can throw on here. <laughs> or who was the first person to put egg? Egg, uh, or fish eggs in their mouth. Oh. Ugh. I saw Dan Reese. Did you see that shit? <laughs> Homemade caviar. Homemade caviar. Fuck that. I ain't eating that I shit. I like caviar. That's disgusting. And then Wait, hold on. And then when like, the fuck uh, did you have caviar, Andy? I had it. Uh, <laughs> uh, my wife's dad bought some, I don't know, six months ago. Charlie paid 100 bucks for some caviar. Yeah. He no. always wanted to try it. No shit. Had a whole. Had a whole uh, you didn't get a whole bunch of it. It's real caviar. Huh? It's really expensive. It's like a little just a... Oh, it wasn't... I mean, it wasn't... can wasn't that big. He just got it to try it. You can get it at like... Uh, I got it somewhere in Wichita Falls. <laughs> Have you ever had it? Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> I dated a girl, had a whole lot of money, and her family tried to impress everybody. One time they had a party and they had some caviar. It tastes like salty. Oh, no. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I don't mind salt. So. I, did, I, did, I didn't care much for it. I just... The had texture, it on a cracker? The texture and stuff. Ugh. Didn't bother me. Y'all... Y'all eat frog legs in Texas, right? You know, I've only had frog legs like once or twice. We don't we don't have water out here, so we don't have a lot of frogs. That's more of a that's true. East Texas, Louisiana. They eat a lot of them. People love them. I've 
I've just never – they've just never done nothing for me. I mean, they're okay. They're not bad. You know, i got to take that back about the cheek. I probably would eat it. I've had Rocky Mountain oysters, so – Those are good. A, cat, a catfish cheek can't be uh, – Calf fries are good. I like calf fries. So now, I mean, but I'm saying a catfish cheek can't be any worse than the fucking balls of a hey, hey, cow. Co- Cody, have you ever had tongue before? I have not. I actually wanted to, to cut the tongue out of the deer I shot this year, but I just didn't do it. Beef tongue is good. No, Very good. No. It is damn good. <laughs> have you seen these fucking things in the in the window at the grocery store? Yeah, they look a little no. weird. Oh, I've seen them. They look, they look terrible. They, they are. Good. I'm telling you right now, you find a Mexican that knows how to cook them, and they are good. And I ain't being racist when I say Mexican. That's good people from fucking Mexico. If you go Taco Bell, you get Mexican food. So don't chill out, everybody. But that is good shit. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Linga is really good. And they, they cook it. They slow cook it like in a crock pot or something for a long time. And boy, some homemade tortillas, a little cilantro. It's good. What onions. Is it, does it shred apart or what? Yeah, not really. I mean, it's, it's good. So you have to slice it. Yeah, it's good. And then do you feel the taste buds like as you're chewing? No. It's, I'm telling you if, you, if you ever had it, you would like it. It's very good. Because... The ones in the window, you can see the fucking they, taste they, buds. They on pull them. the stuff. They, 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 there's a couple <laughs> layers they pull off. There's a there's a yeah, w- right way to cook it. it. So they're not just pulling it out of the package and throwing it in the crock pot. They're like they're they're trimming it. I'm telling you right now, linga pimento cheese on tortilla would be pretty good. <laughs> I like pimento cheese, but I mean, it was just funny that that was their main. It was like an appetizer. Make you you could order pimento cheese everywhere. I was like, what the and tasso ham. What the fuck's the difference between tasso ham and regular ham? <laughs> but it was tasso ham everywhere there. Here you don't ever see tasso ham here nowhere. You pay way more attention to the menu than I did. I do not remember tasso ham. I'm a fat guy. Fat people love food. If you're traveling and you want to know about a good place to eat, you ask a fat guy because he embellishes it. He looks for it, or I don't know if embellishes a word. You look for it. If, I you, love, if you want to buy a crack, I like what different people think of barbecue. That's what I, that's what I judge a city off of. You know, and um, Texas is famous for brisket, but I don't like brisket. And it's not because Andy sucks. He's at had cooking my brisket it. too many times. I just, I've ruined them. I just don't like. I don't. I'm not like brisket. I've been to Blacks and stuff, the famous ones, and, the t- and I just. I'm not a brisket, a brisket fan. It's probably my least favorite of I anything. Love and and now the yuppies have, have had killed white it. Sauce? Had what? The white sauce barbecue. White sauce barbecue. Yeah, it's an Alabama thing. No, it's disgusting. Don't try it. What is it? It's awful. I don't remember. I think it. I mean, I'm gonna get persecuted. It's either it's either mayonnaise or ranch, but it's gross. Yeah, Andy's out on that shit. See, white shit don't bother. They love it. I, what? So you're a are you a Roll Tide fan? Yes, sir. Did you go to Bama? I did. How did you end up in Bama from South Carolina? <laughs> um. If this has got a story to do with midgets and strippers or anything, please tell us. No, I actually had a uh, a step family growing up that uh, they were all from East Mississippi, and I really liked one half of them, and I really hated the other half. <laughs> and uh, one half of them was Ole Miss fans, and they were the ones I didn't care for much, and the other half was Alabama fans, so I just went to their side. <laughs> you drew, you went by the campus, I was, didn't you? That's a um, what was that? that's a fine football factory. I'm telling you right now. I was there during the glory years. There, I was 2011 to 2015. Fucker's oh, still yeah. in the glory years. <coughs> <laughs> as long as Saban is alive, time. as long as Saban is alive, and they keep recruiting four and five star, they just reload. 
I mean, I don't even know yep. what fucking Bama's got I mean, coming back right now, but there'll be a top five team this year. Oh, for sure. I bet they're number two or number three right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, they just it, it, it don't matter who. They just put somebody else in, and they're good. And he's a hell of a fucking football coach. Recruiting machine. So are, are you going to be uh, following two Al now that he's a, a Dolphin? I really couldn't give a damn less about the NFL. I think they're a bunch of crowd babies. That, they have taken a hard stand on this Neyland deal. And it's going to bite them in the ass again. They have a short memory. They have forgotten how many. The NFL makes their money off of conservative middle class people. I don't give a fuck what color you are. That's who the same with Donald Trump. That's where he makes his killing off of is the conservative middle class person. No matter what color you are, where you come from, people that work, want to work, want to have more in their life. And the NFL made a hard stand on them people. Those are the people that buy season tickets that'll spend $1,500 to take their family afford to the game. The people that are making 10 bucks an hour cannot afford to go to a fucking football game. And, oh, and the bad part is, I mean, no matter what people's stance is on you know, the president, I try to tell people, painting people in a corner, calling everybody that thinks differently than you a racist, is the reason why Trump won the election. Yeah, and, he, and he's going to win again. Because they've pissed off a lot of moderate. There ain't nobody that voted for Trump that wants to jump ship. And there's a whole lot of people on that other ship that are getting off. But back to the NFL, when you fucking do that kneeling bullshit, you already piss off a lot of veterans. Not all veterans, because I've seen veterans that stand up for it. But do your national anthem. Make everybody stand up. And then if you want to do eight minutes and 47 seconds of kneeling for George Floyd, then do it. I don't care. I'll get up and go get something to eat or something else again. You know? I think everybody in America has pretty much whipped that mule to death on how they feel about it. So if they want to do it, but when you start, when you start doing that to the flag and the national anthem, you're going to piss off some people. And NFL can't afford to do that. I mean, no. I was hoping it was going to end, and then I realized the old football season was coming back around. So, no, oh, this is going to probably die off until then. It'll be worse this time around because the NFL's done said they screwed up. And the NBA is going to come back and do all their old deals. They said they screwed up. Yeah, they said they screwed up with the cap deal. They should let them kneel for the stuff. Oh. Fucking dumb fuck. Roger Goodell come out and said that. He should just let it rest and hope in three or four months that they just it goes away a little bit. But that's going to be the next thing. So now, what's the NCAA stance <clears throat> on this? I have no idea. I wonder if you're going to see. Uh, <laughs> they're getting their free labor. I don't think they really care which way or another. See, and, and I got different thoughts on that. I don't think football players should be paid or basketball or any college athlete. You're getting a free scholarship. You're getting a springboard for life. Like Tua, if Tua blows it in NFL, let's, let's, say, let's say something happened to this some big star, I'm not going to say any name, star player, and they were in an accident and they lost a leg and they couldn't ever play sports again. They still have a springboard on life because of their name because they played at that university. They get a free college. They get so I don't. I don't think the NFL or NCA should play. Should be have to play, pay players. Um, I think maybe within and the NCA ought to do is give more scholarships out, not football scholarships, but cut in a thousand kids at all these big universities and give just a random student scholarships for school or something with that profit they're making. I'd rather see them do that than pay some guy a thousand dollars a game because it's just it's going to water down the sport. Whenever I was at Bama. You know, and all this kind of stuff that just kind of started kicking off because that was when they turned off the old NCAA football video game. And, you know, I see these guys <laughs> crying about, you know, not getting paid. My out-of-state tuition was like thirty-two grand a year. They got free room and board. And the dining hall that they ate at, if 
you were a regular student and you were using your, like, you know, meal ticket swipe thing, it cost you three times the amount of a regular, you know, lunch to eat there. And then it was closed to everybody else for their dinners because they got served, like, lobster and steaks and everything else while everybody else had to go eat cafeteria food. <laughs> yeah, it's a screwed up deal. I had a good friend of mine who's who's very, very smart when we were in high school, and he wanted to go to Georgetown. He was a big Hoya basketball fan. So he wanted to go to Georgetown, and he was a top-five student in a class of 400. I mean, he was very, very smart. Could get in anywhere. He got he got uh, denied enrollment in Georgetown, and he was, I mean, out SAT and everything else because they were only taking so many out-of-state deals. Now, if he could dribble a basketball and was six foot ten, he would have got a scholarship there. That made it work. Yeah, and I just I thought you know that's kind of a bullshit deal. This guy could get into Harvard, but he couldn't get into Georgetown that year for some reason. And I just I, I don't know. I think that those athletes are getting a, a great opportunity. What about the third string center? You never heard nothing about. He got free everything for five years. Not necessarily. Yep. What do you mean not necessarily? Yep. Is every football player on a full ride? Yeah, I mean if he's on a full ride, what I mean the guys on full ride, there's a hundred of them on full ride or eighty five or something. But it's not everybody. Yeah. Well, but if he's on that team, he probably is on a full ride. So let's just say he's the third string center and he's on a full ride. He never plays a snap his whole time. He goes to practice every day, but he got free college and he played football at Alabama. He's got a national championship ring. And he got more ass than a fucking truck stop toilet did while he was there. Life's pretty good. And you can get a job anywhere in the state. That's right. I mean, you show up and wear your letterman jacket to your interview and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So. You know, are you just going to pay the star players? Or are you going to pay all of them? Um, I'm I'm sure that most kids are on some sort of scholarship, but I wouldn't say that they're on a full ride. Probably a partial scholarship. Do what? On college football teams? Yeah. The kids that are playing are 99 percent of them are on full ride. You There's didn't say that. Few. You said the you didn't say kids that are playing. You said the third string center that never played snap. Well, he probably is not. He's if he's there, he's on scholarship. There's of some sort, but not probably not a full ride. Yeah, there's a lot of walk-on guys that are just, you know, practicing dunks. Yeah, but they that, still get the same benefits, though. But that, but those guys, I'm talking about the full-ride guy that never snap. Out of 100 kids on full-ride at, at a Division One school, probably 20 of them don't ever get a play. But they're still on a full-ride. Oh, yeah. Those are the kids I'm talking and they, about. And it's illegal for them to pull a scholarship if the kid isn't living up to expectations. Right, and and if you're a kid that's that does make the football team, that's a good football player, then you're going to get a full ride. Also, they're going to give you one. But majority of kids are that are on football teams, if they're if they're contributing to a Division One team, they're on a full ride. You're going to find very many well, of them that aren't. And I've got a little after hearing that story, I've got a tip for. I know there's a lot of young guys that listen to this podcast. If you're trying to get into a college, um, there's a lot of majors that they. You know, a lot of colleges need off the start, um, and they will accept people, you know, if you're trying to get into a harder school. Um, whenever I went to Bama, I was I was dead set on being a teacher. Um, I love special ed kids. I'd, I'd always wanted to be a special ed teacher, and I did my first two years of, uh, in the special ed program, and then they told me later on, because I wanted to work with, like, the older kids. I really didn't want to work with, like, the, the babies and stuff like that. I wanted to do high school and older. Um, and they waited till my sophomore year to tell me that I wasn't, I would have to take a whole like secondary education major to work with the older kids. Um, so I ended up switching over to business, but I've learned through most schools, 
that there's a lot of a lot of majors that you can just apply for coming out of high school that have a lot higher acceptance rate than you know if you just went into like business or biology or something like that. So find an in-demand uh, major and then apply for that. Yep. What and then the uh, in the SEC, there's a it's called the SEC Marketplace or something like that. And if you like wanted to go to uh, out of state school, you can apply, and they have certain majors that aren't offered in your state that you can get in-state tuition for other schools. What made you want to uh, work with special needs kids? Um, I really don't know. I had been doing it my whole life. Um, the elementary school I went to was pretty pretty beat down. Um, and they had like a program where the kids that were kind of like a little bit higher up classes could go and, you know, help and read to the special need kids. And so I would just do that, you know, it's just a way to kind of get out of class and do something different. And so, I mean, I, I've just loved it from then. It's a tough, uh, tough road to hoe. Oh yeah. And like I said, I mean, I really, if I would have, if I would have been able to do the high school ones, then I would have, I would have loved to do high school, but I just... You know, I, I I had been in like a kindergarten class, and that's a that's a really really tough job. My heart goes out to all the people that do that kind of stuff with those really young kids. I mean, you have a, you have a lot of kids that are I mean, teaching a kindergarten or elementary school class is bad enough, but whenever you got a lot of kids that can't even communicate with you, that that's awful. Yeah, it's I a really rough spot to be in. I couldn't imagine. I mean, you know, I've got uh, a, a five year old and a almost two year old. And the two-year-old can't tell you what he needs. Still, he, I mean, he can kind of point, and you can you can play a guessing game until you finally figure it out. But I couldn't imagine, you know, dealing with a kid that that couldn't talk or or something like that, and trying to teach that yep. kid something. I mean, I, I no way, no way. So my hat is off well, to those people as well. And the bad part is, you know, people. Uh, People point out that we need to be teaching our kids more like everyday skills in school. And the, I think mean, the special ed places near my hometown, they actually teach kids, you know, how to do finances and, you know, kind of because they're teaching these kids how to go and live the rest of their life, especially the ones that are able to communicate and, you know, how to be, you know, at least as much of society as they can be. And so these kids are learning how to do a checkbook and learning how to pay bills and all that kind of stuff. Where, you know, the valedictorian of the class probably has no idea what a mortgage is. Yeah. And that's what's tough. That's, that's a tough question to answer in society because if I think if you're below 85 IQ, you can't even get into the military. So the question yep. is, what do you do with all these people that aren't even qualified for the lowest, lowest fundamental job in the military? And I mean, yep. it's just, it's a tough, tough question that you have to answer as a society. And I, I mean, I really don't know what we're doing for the, for the special needs kids. We, I don't, I don't know the answer. We have so many more special needs kids than we used to. I think it's 10%. Uh, 10% of the population does not score above an 85, which we, doesn't qual which you cannot get into the military. You need to have a, uh, we, we, we need to teach life skills to those kids. We that's need what to have. Just well, well I, I know, and that's what. But like, I was going to give you an example. I think Archer City High School did this a couple of years ago. They had a. Uh, they built a house for ag class, and I, I wouldn't consider them special needs, but just the ag kids did that. Kids that didn't want to go to college and want to do something, and they built a house. They laid the cement foundation. They did the plumbing first. Laid the foundation. They built it from top to bottom. Those kids learned how. Learned electrical work. 
They learned plumbing. They learned how to concrete work. They did everything. And somebody on that project will will put that into their job in the future. And, you know, it, not every kid needs to learn algebra. I mean, it's when do you use algebra in everyday life? Shit, I don't know. I mean, I don't ever. I use more geometry now. Well, and I hated geometry. But but <laughs> but it's a skill that that, uh, that every everybody's not meant to do algebra and take chemistry class. You know, you have kids that have trouble just with basic fundamentals. So why force all that other shit down them? We need to have life skills that just teach. They need to have a, a class, a finance class too, for kids in school. Teach them a budget. Teach them about stock investment. Teach them about balancing a checkbook. Teach them about saying no to their wives when they want to spend a bunch <laughs> of fucking money. I mean, just common sense shit. Yep. That in life, but I, I, my hats off to anybody that wants to teach special ed. That takes a special person. I don't have the patience for that shit. I raised three special ed fuckers, and they <laughs> wore me the fuck out most of the time. So. <laughs> Well, people always ask me, like, do you think you'd have the patience? But I tell them, you know, I have more patience for a kid that has the excuse. Right. I can't stand shithead little kids like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I love everybody in my family, but, you know, you see a kid being a brat, you just kind of want to, you know, jerk a knot in his ass. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that, that kid has no excuse besides his parents letting him get away with something bad. At least a special need kid, you know, he has a reason for doing what he's doing. It would be great if we could take the kids from about eight years old to about 17 right now and go back 40 years in life and put them in schools 40 years ago when a fucking teacher would slap them upside the back of the fucking head for not listening or they did something wrong and they'd get their ass busted at, at, at school and then go home and whine to mom and then she'd beat their ass again for not minding. Amazing how much different things would be in this world right now if kids learned some respect. Oh, yeah. My, my mom would beat me and my brother preemptively just when she thought we'd look like we did something bad. <laughs> we, we, yeah. So when uh, what what uh, what do you have opening up next? You got dove season coming up next, first of September. Uh, we actually have a super early deer season here. Um, the county that I normally hunt in opens August fifteenth. Really? Wow! Fuck, it's hot. Uh, Are ticks yeah, everywhere? Oh, it, it's absolutely miserable. Oh, it's it's miserable. There's ticks. Uh, moccasins mosquitoes just about everything you want why what what's the what's the rationale behind that why would they open deer season that early i have no earthly idea and that's uh in our county that's like rifle season too that's not our uh the, the game zone that i hunt in doesn't have an early archery the other ones around us do but it's like the same time period so august 15th for us is, is everything goes oh. um it's nice, though, because you can shoot a deer in velvet, but, I mean, I usually hunt that opening weekend, and then I don't I don't deer hunt again until probably Halloween. Mm, fuck me. And that's that runs, that so runs all the way to, like, the, to January sometime, normally. Now, is that also, uh, do you public land for that, too, or do you have a spot that you go to? No, I've got a, a little piece of private that I hunt. It's, like, uh, 70 acres. I mean, do you pull and up so to the stand in shorts and flip-flops? If the mosquitoes wouldn't eat my ass alive, I shot my big buck last year in Crocs. <laughs> oh, I, I was wearing I was wearing a t-shirt and pants and, or uh, my camo pants and Crocs. And they gotta smell so bad whenever you cut them open. If you get them down and and get them gutted quick, they're not that bad. It's no different than like a regular. I mean, any other deer. Do y'all um y'all have a big snake problem? 
Uh, yeah, a lot of parts of the state have real bad water moccasin problems. We have we have uh, timber rattlers here too, but they're Ooh. not super common. Those are big too, and they'll fu- they pack a punch in their bite too. I think. Do you have copperheads? You there? Yeah, we got them all. See, we, yep, I'm here. I just hunt in August. That's I'm, I'm not a snake person at all. So when it f- gets cold and freezes, but our problem is even when it gets cold, like before by Thanksgiving, there wasn't no snakes. You didn't see a snake till March. We have every time it warms up in the winter time, the snakes come out again. Rattlesnakes are out all the time. It just doesn't make yep. sense. Ours are the same way. They'll go into hibernation for like a couple of days, and then it'll be 70 degrees all December. And then it'll come right back out. Whenever you hunt the marshes, do you have to worry about water moccasins? Uh, the marshes or, are. Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the, uh, beaver ponds and stuff. Yeah, the beaver ponds. I actually killed a, a nice uh, water moccasin in the beaver pond in North Carolina last year while we were picking up decoys. He charged right at me. I shot him with a twelve gauge. See, um, I don't that aggressive shit. I'm not at least a rattlesnake. It's not going to charge you most of the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were standing in waist deep water, and uh, we had just pulled the the mojos out. I turn around, I see something swimming, and my buddy said, "You know, that, that looks like a snake." Oh. And then he kind of came up to the surface, and he was about about twenty yards away from me. So I just let him have it. No, oh. no, no. no. We uh, on the coast, we got you know pretty nice sized alligators. <laughs> and I, I was told I was full of shit, but I got a witness that we saw probably a, a 12 to 14 foot shark riding down the, the waterway one morning. Where you were, and you were in fucking waders? We were in a boat. But you were going to get out of the boat in waders, right? Yeah, we didn't get out of the boat that day. <laughs> Fuck, I wouldn't. I just hunting with sharks and fucking alligators. Snakes, alligators, and you sharks. You might as well be fucking hunting in Australia. All to all to kill a couple, you know, teal and a and a merganser too. Is is teal the the common duck that y'all get? Yeah, we get a lot of uh, a lot of green wings, a couple blue wings every now and then. Um, gadwall, and then very rarely we'll get a black duck or two. Are y'all y'all shoot blue wing in the winter when they're in full color? Yeah, yeah, we have we have blue wings pretty much year round down here. Boy, they're beautiful ducks in the wintertime when they're when they're oh, got they're that awesome. white crest, beautiful white yep. crest. We don't we see we don't get them when they got white crest here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very rare. You I saw somebody and somebody shot one in Kansas in December this year, and I never had heard of that before either. But we we kill green wings. Green wing, teal are one of my favorite birds to shoot. I hate them. They're too fast. Uh, my dog's named Teal, so they're one of my favorites too. <laughs> they're they're they're, a, they're an awesome bird. I'm telling you, a lot of great great hunts with my dad growing up on a dairy. We used to shoot. 30 to 50 green wing till a day a lot of days. Back when the we limit, limits were a lot a, bigger. We killed a full plume blue wing the last week of the season this year. Was a lot, I think that was the last stuff we killed. Well, what's your, what's your limits on where you're at? Because you're in the Atlantic Flyway, so have y'all's limits changed a whole bunch too? Yeah, we get the shaft on everything because we got no ducks and they change our limit. So they dropped us to the, to the two mallard limit. Um, I believe we're still at like one pintail, even though we hardly ever get those, and then usually one black or uh, model duck. I didn't. Th- I, there was an article this week 
and I did not read it. I skimmed, I scanned the top, and I saw it, and I was going to go back and read it, and I forgot to, about people wanting to go to shooting three pintails. And I, I, I didn't see yeah. the – did you read the article? I didn't read the article. And I don't know if they, they think the biologists miscount. I think there's a miscount because we got a shitload of pintails. We, I mean, we see flocks of hundreds, and um, it's mostly drakes. Have you noticed that? Towards the end of the year, yeah. You see more drakes than you do hens. And they were talking about we need to start shooting three pintails. I, I whenever I was in whenever I was in high school, there was a there was a flock of pintails that was probably. I mean, I'm not that great at estimating numbers, but it had to be close to twenty thousand. There's a there's a there is lots I would, of. I them. wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. We get a lot of pintails down here. But maybe they need to change it to where we just shoot pintail drakes. It's easy to pick out a fucking pintail drake. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably one of the easier ones to identify. Yeah, make it three drakes, or you can kill three, and it only can be one hen or something. If yeah, that's the but problem, that, that thirty minutes before sunrise is where it gets tough. Well, you just don't shoot at them then. Same with mallard; you can only shoot one. I mean, you can only shoot one Susie. So I mean, it's yeah, the same. I mean, that's true. It's the same deal. I just true. I wonder if that's. I would think that would be an easy way to help do something. It's going to be interesting if Canada doesn't open this year. It's going to be really interesting to see what the duck numbers are like. I mean, we know there are going to be a whole lot more ducks for sure. But it's going to be interesting to see how that parlays into the, the next spring and, and things like that. Because 15% of all mallards die regardless, they say. Whether hunters kill 13% of them or we kill 4%, 15 mall- 15% of the mallards are going to die. Right. And for the expert out there, I don't know if that's fucking correct. It might be 14.2%. Plus or minus. It might be 19%. It may be 11%. But there's a, there's a, a is it called a nutrition rate? Is that right? Something like that. Well, I don't want I'll, I'll go with that, yeah. Okay, well, if it's not attrition, whatever it is, but that's the rate that they die at, regardless. Mortality rate. Yeah, mortality. Yeah, mortality. So. I, I was, I've got a planned trip for uh, Alberta in the middle of September, so I'm praying they open it up. Well, how, how much longer are you going to give it before you, uh, I mean, are you going to let it ride right up until departure date, or are you going to try to get another plan going? If it doesn't look too good in July or August, well, I've already told. I'm actually tagging along with another group of guys, and you know, I told them, and they're all pretty hardcore hunters. They're out of Montana. Um, I told them that if if they decide it's worth it, then I'll let the guy keep my deposit, and if he stays with the spot for next year, we'll just roll it back to next year if that's, if that's a possibility. We've picked up some some business in the last couple of weeks from people that are we're going to Canada that have either got their deposit back or have moved their deposit to next year but want to come on a hunt. And I, well, I've, my, my hat's off. I feel sorry for them outfitters up there because I know they're on the same boat. I mean, I and you know the phone's not ringing right now with guys wanting to book other dates. <laughs> no. No. Not until something clears up. Yeah, not until they give us a real word about it. Yep. I, I mean, definitely, you know, try to move your deposit to next year if you can and just – but when when do you make that decision to call the outfitter to say, hey, just roll it to next year? Um, well, the guy that's kind of like the, the head guy on the group, I think he, he talks to him pretty pretty normally because uh, where he lives in Montana, he's only a couple hours from the outfitter. Um, so I think I think they speak way more than, like I said, I'm just kind of the tag along. Yeah. Um, but I usually try to do at least one trip, you know, west uh, every season. Have, or even, well, either go out to the Outer Tanks or Virginia. Have you uh, 
Have you bought your airplane tickets? I have not. So that's what I'm wondering, too, is how many guys haven't bought airplane tickets, and then is airfare, I'm assuming, are you driving or flying? We're, I'm flying. The rest of the guys are driving. Oof, me and Andy done that. That's, I'd much rather fucking fly. <laughs> I flew up and yeah. rode back. <laughs> it took six months to drive home from Carrot River, Saskatchewan, to Knox City, it seemed like. Three of the months was in Texas. Oh, yeah. You get to Texas, you're like, oh, thank God we're in God's country, the land of milk and honey. And it's still fucking five hours home, it seemed like. We normally hunt, and this past year we drove to Kansas from South Carolina, um, and I've, I've hunted Missouri and Arkansas and Mississippi and the rest of them. So I, this is my first trip to Canada, so I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it works out for me. It, There's no place like it. It's very interesting. I mean, well, I don't know where you're hunting in Alberta, and I don't know what they've got there, but where we were, uh, where we, were we saw moose, bear, Elk, mule deer, and white-tailed deer, and wolves all in the same day. So, wow. just to see all that, the, the the you know, mother nature, the wildlife, it was just it was it was amazing to see all that stuff. I'm glad I went. Um, I'd like to go again. I was going to go with Asher and them on the dive bomb trip two different times. I just things didn't work out. I was busy when they went, but I would like to go up there again one day. Uh, like I said, I think we're I think uh, we're not far from Calgary. I think they said it was a two-hour drive from Calgary Airport, and they shoot a lot of geese. It, it'll be it'll be a trip trip of a lifetime if you get to do it. Make memories, and hopefully they'll, they'll be open by then. But I mean, hell, we're talking. If you're going mid to September, that's three July, months. August, three months from now. Airplane tickets are going to get that. That's going to be the issue: is getting tickets. It'll happen pretty soon. Yeah, I might just go ahead and buy them anyways. I've heard that you can still transfer, you know, like a same cost kind of deal if you want to transfer to somewhere else. I was but supposed to do more research. I was supposed to go to see uh, Fox in March, I guess it was, and of course they canceled everything. And they've actually pushed my airplane. I can you. They gave me a voucher for two years. So um, okay, yeah, that that'll probably what I do then. What's your uh, status on Vegas? Are y'all going or not? Up in the air. Will they let y'all move it back? Yes. Will they yeah. give you all vouchers I, or just move it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But on on Vegas? Yeah, we're uh my wife and I we were planning on going with another couple uh into this month, so most likely oh, gonna yeah. be moving that back. Just because I don't know, I mean if it's gonna be twenty five percent occupancy, I don't want to stand in line to get into a pool. We're not big gamblers, but I mean, no shows are going to be open. It sounds like, or it's going to be twenty five percent occupancy. Does not sound like it's going to be. Uh, definitely not going to be a hundred percent. You're a in gun. A couple weeks. You carry a gun with you all the time too. Not in Vegas. Yeah, you'll feel naked there. Not in Vegas. <laughs> I uh, I usually do shot show every year, and I've already told the lady that uh, I work with, and you know, unless I'm absolutely needed, I really don't want to go back. That's going to be a – I hadn't thought about SHOT Show because we were going to go to Anoka to the game fair this year. Canceled it. And, and they canceled mm-hmm. it a couple months ago, and or about a month ago, I guess, or six weeks ago. And then we, we usually do the tr- trophy hunter show in Fort Worth, and we're not going no more. We weren't doing that anyways. And they're still planning on having it, I saw. But all these outdoor and trade shows and a lot of outfitters, that's where they make a lot of their contacts and stuff. And then we're going to be going no more. Mm-hmm. Or not – I don't, I don't know what's going to happen next spring – um, 
I think when the election's over, then all of a sudden everything's going to be fine and everybody's okay again. I think that's all this, most of this <laughs> shit's about anyways. But regardless, I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't going to be open that normally are. And SHOT Show, that's a – could you imagine if they don't have SHOT Show? That's a huge deal. Big deal. That's a massive deal. You know, all them guys put all that hard work and stuff coming out with a new product and they don't have nowhere to display it or show anybody it. Lots of contacts made there. Well, so that's the biggest thing is, I mean, I can't even describe how many meetings go on that, you know, four oh, days, man. Fuck. I mean, everybody, anybody that's got a new outdoor product is out there, you know, hustling it. It's going to be an interesting, interesting uh, thing to see. Well, okay, we're going to ask you your last predictions. You're, since you're a college guy, who, 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 who's your, besides Bama, because who do you think is going to win the college championship this year then? We'll go early. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard for me not to see Clemson doing it since they've got everybody. I mean, they lost a bunch of good guys this year, but they've got Trevor Lawrence still there, and he's a good – I mean, he's not – I don't think he's what everybody cracked him up to be, but he's still a lot better than most quarterbacks. Oh, I think he's – It'd be hard to predict. I think he's the best that there's been since Andrew Luck in college. Dude's a fucking winner. Yeah. And he's good. God almighty. And they got a receiver coming back. Was it T. Higgins? Is that the kid that's coming back? Uh, I'm not sure which one of their two main guys got drafted. One of them got drafted. Yeah, they're, they're like Bama, though, and LSU and them schools. They just reload. You know, yep. LSU, yeah, they'll be damn good. LSU's got an offense now because they throw the ball. If, if LSU can score 24 points a game, they're hard to beat because they always have great defense. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb this year, and I think someone – other than the top three or four regular schools going in it, and I have no idea who it'll be, but it's not going to be Ohio State, it's not going to be Clemson, it's not going to be Alabama. Utah. No, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I just think this is the year that we're going to see. There's a lot of, you know, those teams outside the top four or five, there's a lot of them have a shot this year. I mean, I, I think my only problem is you're going to have a lot of teams that, you know, with a lot less practice time are going to be relying on those athletes. So it'll probably still be another big name school, but it might not be those top four. But you're gonna have to. I mean, if you're if you're gonna be able to rely on, especially the early season, of just more. You know, you've got kids that are better than the other team. Yes, that's gonna come down to a lot of it. A lot of returning starters, like Texas plays LSU this year early in the year in Austin. I think no, they're playing the swamp. Playing the swamp. But if Texas can beat LSU, they gave te- Texas gave LSU a good game last year too. If Texas can yep. beat LSU. They're going to be a top ten team, and they've got Ellen. They got they return a lot, a lot of people. I just don't have a lot of faith in their coaching staff. But I agree. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised somebody like Minnesota or one of those schools come out of nowhere and be a really. And I don't even know what Minnesota's returning, but I just think that a lot of those big schools that lost a lot of their players are going to have to. They're going. They're no practice. Plus, we don't know what's going to happen with all that, anyways. You know, no, no no people in the stands. That's a, that t- does away with your home field advantage in, in football. Mm-hmm. As long as they play, I'm just ready for somebody to have something else to talk about besides oh. politics and viruses. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm ready for football season. They could, they could be out there playing tennis for all I care, just something <laughs> else to talk about. Well, we ain't going to go that far. Nope. We won't be talking tennis, but we're damn sure ready for football. And <laughs> I've already been asked, well, you, you, you're going to boycott football if they don't do the kneeling. Uh, I'm like a crackhead with crack. When it comes to football, I'm watching <laughs> fucking football. Yep. That's why we rename our fantasy football league to the crackhead league because we're <laughs> watching football. Well, hey, Cody, I appreciate you being on here, man. It's been a very interesting talk. Uh, if you ever get out this way again, give us a holler. 
I will. Thank you guys for having me. Y'all, uh, y'all be safe out there, and God bless. Hey, be God, safe on the road. God bless you, and be safe. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye. Very interesting man, Cody LaRock. Very interesting guy. Um, everybody's out there. If you'll go to the East Coast Waffle Raffle, is that what it's called? I'm not sure. I think or Coast to Coast Waffle Raffles. I want to make sure I get this right exactly. Always. Is it just on the? Is it just in the group, or is it? It's on group. It's on their page. It's coast to coast raffles. We'll make sure I got this right because I always. I saw it yesterday as I was going in to do something. I can't remember. And but I didn't look at it. The coast coast to coast waterfowl raffles waffles. God dang it! Coast to coast waterfowl waffles. That's hard to say. They are doing a. It's a lotto. Spend a hundred dollars. They're picking two four man three day goose hunts up here, lodging and meals. So we're giving away two four man hunts. It's a hundred dollars, twenty five dollars a guy. You can go to their site. They have their own Facebook page, Coast to Coast Waterfowl Waffles, and you can you can buy a chance at that. It's $100 for a four-man hunt. Get your buddies throwing $25. It's a good deal. Um, we're going to do some things with it here on our on our podcast page. I know they're, they're going to put it on our podcast page. It's going to be on Dive Bomb's page. It's going to be on Boss Shot Sales. They're going to also put it on their page too. Anyways, it's a four-man hunt for three days. They're giving away two of them, and they're selling 80 tickets. Uh, $1,000 of that is going to go to a scholarship fund set up in my dad's name. And it's going to be, we're going to sit down and talk about it, but it's going to be basically for kids in Knox City, Texas, that are either associated with our volunteer fire department or our hospital. Our volunteer firemen do a great job out here, and it's going to be a, a podcast that's for them. I mean, a podcast for them. It's going to be a scholarship for either a child of a fireman or someone that's been a fireman, a grandson, or someone that works the hospital, their 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 child or their their grandson. So the hospital has done a wonderful job with dad. So, anyways, that's all I got, Andy. Sounds good. Be sure go get entered to that. Um, when are they going to draw for that? Uh, they when they fill all eighty spots. Just do yeah, it right there. They got ten or eleven, so they just come out yesterday. So okay. So anyways, it's a hundred dollars. It's a good deal. It's go and thousand dollars of it is going to a scholarship fund to help a kid in Knox City, Texas. Perfect. All right. Well, we will holler at y'all later. Bye.